Good afternoon, gentle listeners. It is I, Gary Kavner, here on TRSI. I'm here today with my friend and colleague, Michael Dwyer. I don't know why that introduction was more grandiose than normal, but it was, so we'll live with it. Michael, how have you been? Bit worried, Gary. Bit worried. Are you taking taking the tablets? That's uh, the intro there. Anyway, I'm sure it's, I, I'm, I'm well. I'm well. Uh, it's a lovely day, I think, in the making. So, what's happening in the world, Gary? Well, we're now two and a half weeks into the uh, Fianna Fáil presidency, kingship, Taoiseach thing. Yeah, it's going it's going well, isn't it? I think we can all agree on that. Depends what metric you're using, but by a certain metric, it's been an absolute phenomenal time. Well, uh, One of the best I've ever I'm seen. I'm using the metric still in government, and you know? Still in government is an important metric for governments politically. Uh, I'm using the entertainment value metric. Well, it's higher entertainment. I'll give you that. It's 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 up there around the eight eight and a half. And do you know what's really good about them? In a way that Philly Gale were entertaining, also. Let's not deny it. But it was always kind of the same thing: po-faced incompetency, tell another story; po-faced incompetency, tell another story. The old socks. Fianna Fáil have. In this short space of time, now admittedly they've been saving stuff up. They've done all sorts of different things, you know. Oh, it's it's it has been revolutionary to see incompetency that isn't boring, which I think is probably unfortunate for Fine Fáil because Fine Gael's kind of incompetency, where you basically bureaucratic incompetency, where you somehow let's say build a three hundred and sixty million euro children's hospital for. Two to three billion euros. Yeah, exactly. That's just profoundly boring. Dull, 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 dull. Whereas, let's say, the allegations that Thomas Byrne leaked the fact that Barry Cowan had uh, a little bit of a run-in for drink driving, that's just deeply amusing. But throw into that scenario the passionate Twitter avowals of the truth of this, then the rather weak-kneed response of the no, actually, no, it didn't happen. Then the faster-than-the-speed-of-light uh, occupancy well, of, of the ministry and Michal Martin, I never knew nothing, because we all believe that, sacking, and then the resurrection of the Caleri. But at all the stories, because it leads it, that means that we have to have a new chief whip. And then what happens? We have a vote on, for example, Lasco and Kiorla. The government can rely on 84 votes. It doesn't need 84 votes to win the vote. And there are also some independents who are going to vote for the government appointee. And in a result which really is going to be a bit embarrassing for the new, fresh-faced chief whip, you only go and lose it, don't they? They only go and lose it. And nobody knows. Nobody knows. People seem to be blaming Fianna Fáil for that. But... Well, Fianna Gael and Greens are blaming Fianna Fáil. I wouldn't be terribly surprised if a surprising amount of the Fianna Gaelers didn't vote for the government candidate, who was a Fianna Gaeler, uh, but it was O'Dowd, who is not well-liked. Fergus is is not a man who is known for his capacity to make friends and influence people. He has a, a particular personality, it is felt, I think, some of his colleagues would say. And you see, Gary, this is what happens when you have a, a when you allow people a secret ballot. 
I know that like they just run all over the place. Electing, Vo- yeah, vote for who they want. Electing the Sinn Fein independent, well, Sinn Fein backed independent TD instead yeah. of your own party member. We might point out in a hundred and one years, the first woman to be elected last Kiancola or Kiancola. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that's a first there, and a shameful first. A shameful that it took this long. I'm, uh, I'm told that when that when Barry kicked down the door of Thomas Byrne's office, yeah, <laughs> Byrne basically just pulled himself into a ball and started talking about right wing conspiracies because Gript were the people who had published the uh, full and detailed breakdown of the Finnafall activist who says, and was happy to go on the record and put his name on the line. The burn did this. Yes. John McGurk's name was taken in vain, I'm told. I, yeah. It was apparently a beautiful moment. <laughs> Particularly because Byrne, I think, is larger than Barry, isn't he? But Barry's not, Barry's not small either. I wouldn't no, know. but I think I can see Barry doing it just by pure rage. <laughs> just like the, he may actually kill me. There is, the, the Cowans have a certain substantialness to them, don't they? If a cow looks you in the eye and says, I'm going to tear the head off you, you believe him. Yeah, particularly if he's been drinking. Well, now, in that unlikely circumstance, yes, I suppose that would even amplify the, the possibility, yes. Seems to be a video going around, actually, in some of the newsrooms. I haven't I got want, my hands on it yet. I want to see the video. I've heard about the video. I've been told about the video. And no, unless we've, everybody's been told an absolute pack of lies and a pup and a pig and a poke, all of which is possible. It's going to be a doozy. And there's quite a lot of money going down on side betting on who's in the video. Yeah, so for, for those who haven't heard, here's some media gossip. Um, <laughs> the There is a video apparently doing the rounds among certain newsrooms. We've so far not, uh, not printed it, uh, showing a little bit of a, a fracas. A, uh, or what some might call a drunken fist fight. A kerfuffle. A kerfuffle uh, between some of our uh, representatives. The will of the people beating the shit out of each other. The wills of the people. Well, allegedly, yes. So, of course, the first question then is people are desperate. Now, who would actually, who would get into a boxing match? Yeah, yeah, no, that's the thing. There's a, there's a couple of good bets in Finnafall, I think, at the minute. On who exactly is in that video. Sadly, I mean, once upon a time, you would have put in two, I was two thirds, maybe more, three quarters of the Fianna Fáil uh, parliamentary party would have been decent, upstanding men and women that were perfectly capable of giving you a puck. I mean, Mary O'Rourke and Mary Harney in their day. I mean, there have definitely been some women in Fianna Fáil who can throw a punch. Absolutely. And just, you know, sadly, now, God, reduced to a handful. I mean, let's face it, Jack Chambers. Can you imagine Jack? He'd cry. I think he would legitimately cry. <laughs> Michal Martin? Michal look, always looks like he's about to cry anyway. So not not far to go. Oh, I, don't know. I, I think Martin could take a punch. He's a tall man. He's a big man. But, um, do you, see, you say he could take a punch, but could he give a punch? I think he would choose not to. Yeah. Unless it was, let's say, someone like John McGuinness. If it was a ga- he could take the Gandhi-esque position that there was more power in not responding. What was the name of that Fianna Fáil TD in Cork Southwest? She lost her seat. She was basically, well, people said, she was screwed by HQ, that 
The Fianna Fáil seat went back to a man whose father had been a TD before. Mary Murphy O'Connor, Mary Murphy, Mar- do you know what I mean? No. She had a double barred name. Oh, she was brilliant. I'm just thinking her. She would have taken a, she would have taken a dig and given a dig. I was very fond of it. She was, she was a good, she was good value. It's pity she, she didn't get the seat. This is a better ranking of politicians than we can usually give. But no, I, I, I particularly enjoyed the video. And there's all sorts of rumours swirling around about all sorts of things. Um, because now, Fianna Fáil have had a decade out of power where they've, some of them have perhaps not acted to the standards we would hope. Do you know, it's just occurred to me, Gary, and this is not exactly on top of you, but um, it just occurred to me. In my own constituency, and this is a sad decline of politics in Ireland, Verona Murphy is probably the person I would say most likely t- to be able to throw a good dig if I was given this, given the choice of what we have. Yeah, no, I think you're right on that. I think she'd throw a good one. I'd actually put her over a fair amount of the male TDs. Then again, maybe it's a tradition, because Avril Doyle in her day would have thrown a fair old and taken one. So, you know, strong women in with Using one of the Green Party TDs as a weapon. <laughs> Pick Swing them her. up and throw them at someone else. Swing them like an Herbe's handbag. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, that's the first. Uh, that's the first of the big news that we have. We have a new last count here, like Catherine Connolly, and we don't know who voted. We don't know who voted for her, but there's desperate speculation going on. Um, speculation that Jack uh, Chambers may be hauled over the coals. Although a lot of people are saying, you know, it's not really fair because it's just a clusterfuck, and it's an example of what's going to be the rest of this government. I mean. You look at this in the context, Gary, of the not much who had final numbers of the uh, Green leadership battle. 46 votes in the difference? 46 votes in the difference in the words of Sir Alex Ferguson's squeaky bum time. I the, I saw people who who like to appear and indeed maybe do actually know about these things saying confident they are 65 35 maybe maybe 60 40 just because they know the result and they might just it's a chance to but you know could even be 70 30 you never know 46 votes it was it's not exactly a ringing endorsement i mean what do you have to do to be for these people to make them happy i mean it, he has resurrected them got them into government Brought no. them back from an absolute... I mean, we talk about Mia Martin bringing Fianna Fáil back. Although bringing Fianna Fáil back seems to have been losing seats, dropping in popularity. But he did get them into government. He got Well, he got him into government. <laughs> That's the <laughs> most important thing. He got him into government and he got Fianna Fáil health and housing. Yeah. Which, Michael, as I tell you, as someone building a house at the minute, or about to build a house, I'm actually looking quite forward to because with Fianna Fáil's entire continued existence online for housing, I can see some fantastic tax breaks. Oh, there will be tax breaks of the type undreamed of oh, in, the land, I mean, in the lands of Sheba. It's going to be fantastic. I know. I'm, I am. I mean, the government might be a shambles, but I'm going to make money off it. Absolutely. So. Anyway, they're there in. And, uh, two and a half weeks. Two and a half weeks. can't keep up this pace. Just, just can't. But they're all they're they're all contributing. Well, the Greens obviously are, are contributing, but if nothing on on this the, the, on this, one of the best comments that you have to say are we've we are we have been hearing from 
student members of the Green Party who are lamenting the uh, sadly cynical direction that Eamon um, uh, Martin has has brought them in in the process of going into government. Now, the Greens may not be happy. I think that a lot of us are deeply unhappy, not with how little they got, but how much they, the Green agenda was in in the programme for government. Far, 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 far too much, in my opinion. But anyway, then what is the Greens? Students, carry 18-year-old, 19-year-old, right? And they're saying, this isn't the Green Party I joined. <laughs> they sound like some old-timer, you know, who was there in La Scala when Dev set up Fianna Fáil in 26, was it 26, 27, 27. And they're saying, that's ah, not the Fianna Fáil I joined. These are 18 and 19-year-olds. This is not the Green Party I joined. Their sense of, when times change. Their sense of history, shall we say, is is, is limited. Eamon Ryan does effectively what Michal Martin's PR says Michal Martin has done in that they're more popular, they've more seats, and they're in government. They're in government and minister for the environment. I mean, what more do you want? Now, what more do you want? Well, we know the answer to that because Saoirse McHugh told us the answer. Saoirse McHugh is uh, one of those people who I know of because the media has told me about, but I don't know why the media has told me about her. Uh, I did quite enjoy a lot of people who push Saoirse McHugh now that she's come out and said that, well, the path to success is not true electoral politics, the path to change. And they're now sort of going, well, how dare she? Oh, that shock horror. What and else then is sort there? of going, well, I mean, she's, she was never elected, you know, mm. she's no platform. Well, no, she doesn't. But she's no platform when you demanded we all learn who she was. And you don't now get to that she's saying something you don't like. You don't get to turn around and go, well, that's not news. I, I, all I remember is that this face would appear so often this on rather windswept context. Some Atlantic cliff in Bay or some bog somewhere. And she'd talk about, oh, I don't know, socialization of the means of production and. Sharpening guillotines. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if she ever actually brought out the, the, old, the old. I believe the, she did use the phrase sharpening the guillotine. Did she? I believe yeah. so. She wanted, so she actually wanted the knob lobber. Oh, very good. Well, there you go. Uh, she was. I suppose, Gary, you'd say she came across as an individual. But then again, a lot of people in the Green Party come across as individuals. So why she was particularly picked, I don't know. It's all, one of the the other things they're all saying was if she hadn't, if she'd kept her mouth shut and hadn't stuck to her principles, she'd be a senator. Why she, above all others, would have been a senator, again, I don't know. But there she was and off she goes. And she, I, I think she's, I think she's simply right. I think in the history of the last 20, 30 years in Ireland, the real big change haven't been effective within the doll. If you'd left it to the doll, they wouldn't have done anything. And I'm not saying that that would have been a bad thing. No, I think you, I think she actually does have a strong point. A lot of the change we've seen has come from NGO groups and work to change cultural aspects of Irish society. Exactly. It, I, yeah, I think she's she's absolutely right in that. But at the same time, I think it's sad that she's right, but she's right. Well, yeah. At the, at the same time, when she says you know, electoral politics is not the chance for success, there is a little bit of. But if you consider trying it, maybe it's Moorish. Just once more. Just just have a shot. Um, we've also negotiated a 
astronomically bad deal, which will see us all paying out a great deal of money to the EU. I assume the idea was that by doing this, we would make friends with the bigger European countries and France would stop trying to do anything involving our corporation tax. In much the same way, Gary, as a lion will stop chewing on the back of an en- back end of an an- antelope, the antelope passes a punnet of strawberries back to him. Well, I, I personally think it's more like hoping someone will stop punching you in the face if you set yourself on fire first. It might work. It's just not a great idea. No, and yeah. to be honest, I imagine France will stand there until the fire is burned down low and then start punching again. <laughs> kicking, kicking. The French will go for kicking. A wonderfully successful deal. A great deal. And again, a remarkable, would one say, silence on the actual numbers when we look at the reporting from our media, our press. A great deal of common agreement. But when it came to an actual analysis of what this was going to cost us, what was costing other people, where we came in the great scheme of things, zip, zero, nil, null. No, I mean, the, the Irish Times headline is Ireland's economy gets largest ever cash injection with grants, tax cuts and loan guarantees. Sure, yes, that's that's true, I suppose. It's also true we're paying for all of it and more. That would seem like a... Uh, that would seem like an important point to make, but it's not a point we're going to make. So we, uh, do you know what I, I've, I've realized over this one thing I really like about Mihal Martin? Yeah. It's his ability to just turn up with something and just look dead into your eyes and say, this is a success. This is not a polished shit. No, like when Martin gets in and he panics because it turns out that Finna Fahler actively planning a heave against him during the government negotiations. Yeah. And he hears about this and he basically just signs anything Finnegale will put in front of him so he can get the deal done. Quick, quick, that quick. Day. Come on, come on, come on, come on. And I'm I'm told it was pretty much a get this like this is happening, shit, get it signed today. <laughs> and then he stands there and says, This is a success for Finna Fall. And for Ireland. And I think for in the last, it's only been two and a half weeks, Michael, so I don't want to make any judgment. Usually in these things, you assume that if you go into coalition with someone, you'll be dragged down by their scandals. But Finnegale's ability to sort of just float above this in a sort of, we did this for the country, we're not even talked about in relation to this, there, is incredible. It is actually bizarre the way Finnegale have taken on this slightly detached not even semi-detached, but actually detached existence in their depictions of the media. I mean, even Leo, right? When he's commenting, say, about travel restrictions and the green list, or what's going to happen with other countries and with the schools and what should happen and what shouldn't happen, it, he, he sounds like an interested, if detached, observer. Now, he's not the Minister for Education. It's not going to be him that'll have to deal with the unions and with the parents and with everybody else about getting everybody back to school on the 31st of August. But he's there. He said, well, you know, Germany's open, Denmark's open there. It Wouldn't it look really bad if they were open and we have lower levels of infection than they do? And yet we don't open. 
Wouldn't that look bad? It's like he's just thinking out loud. Now, by the way, just as a, a point en passant, when people say about Germany opening and Denmark opening, what they never add is that they're actually opening in very limited class limited class numbers and limited and limited year numbers. The notion that these schools are open and functioning uh, as would be a normal year is just not the case. But that's that little mine addendum is not considered to be of sufficient importance. But there's Leon or or Leo. What was the thing with the with the travel? Like we had a green list, but what was the point in really having a green list? Yeah, I just basically Leo just dropping in every now and then and going, "Oh, I'm not sure that's a good idea." Oh, now gee, I don't know. I don't like. I mean, that's that's not what I would have done. But you know, Mihal, you keep going. You're doing. You seem to be doing well. Yeah, I mean, have you thought that out now, really? Because it just seems to me, okay, you can have a green list, but should anybody really be going abroad? Myself and himself, who's going to West Clare this year, you know, we'd normally like to go. We were looking at Puglia. We hear it's lovely. My internal my internal image of Leo Varadkar has changed over the last two and a half weeks. And every time I think of him, I just imagine him with this sort of shit-eating grin on his face, looking at Michal Martin's back. <laughs> you see, it does potentially at least explain one puzzling thing. There was a certain amount of, God, Leo's giving up the, the, the Taoiseach shit very easily and the only thing, people that oh well he must be he's bored with it he's, he's, he's been there he's done that now he wants to go on and get a big job maybe in Europe maybe Secretary General of the UN maybe Chairman of the World Bank but no no Gary I think it's this is all done in the confident knowledge that Lee is going to be Taoiseach again pretty soon this is uh, this is just sort of like a digestive <laughs> like just getting him ready for the next like Letting Martin just slam himself against that wall. It's um, the Italians are called an intermezzo. When you have it's like the it's the, the sorbet you have. Was that the? Oh, sorry. I thought you were talking. I thought that was the reference to the periods between Berlusconi governments. <laughs> no, there were actually what? I miss Berlusconi. Berlusconi is great crack. Bunga bunga. Yeah, it was just like oh, how's Italy doing? And you're like oh, the the head of Italy was just. Cocaine and uh, prostitute filled orgy. You know, and now he's, he's saying we should shoot protesters. You know, people talk about that kind of thing as if, oh my, we should be horribly shocked. This is, in fairness, this was a country that long before Berlusconi, you had Giulio Andreotti, who had been seven times prime minister and I think maybe 13 other times a member of the cabinet, being tried for conspiracy to murder a journalist. You know, you think that politicians might like to be hardened journalists here? I mean, conspiracy to commit murder. What even is that? What is that even a crime, really? Who here has not thought of killing a journalist? And made at least a small plan. That's true. Technically now, Michael, you're a journalist, so if you've ever considered suicide, you have conspired to murder a journalist. Many journalists. I, the same Giulio Andreotti was also accused of being capi di tutti capi, or the, the boss of all bosses. And there was allegedly, well, no, there were photographs, but the photographs allegedly showing him <laughs> Toto Rigna, who was the boss of bosses in, of the mafia in Sicily, giving the kiss of submission 
to Giulio Andreotti. My point is, also, Giulio Andreotti, who was the lead, a prominent member of the uh, negotiating team, which unfortunately left Aldo Moro, president or prime minister of Italy and leader of the party, shot dead and in the boot of a car in the 1970s. Tragic. Italian politics. And totally unexplained. Yeah, totally unexplained, I don't know. I think there have been many explanations. One of them will have been right. So, uh, no official explanation. No, no, no. No, no. I mean, maybe he just shot himself in the head and fell backwards. Beat himself up a little bit and fell backwards into the back of a mirror fiore. Yeah. I did like when he he died that um, the family didn't invite a single Italian politician, which for a former prime minister... He's a, a bit of a statement. Yeah, yeah. For Prime Minister, leader of the of, of the Christian Democrats. It's a bit of a. Well, I mean, it's they blamed Italian politicians, but we all know it was the Red Brigade. Yeah, of course. Then, oh, let's not get uh, the nineteen seventies and the Italian Secret Service and the CIA and the Red Brigades and the Black Brigades and bombs on trains and all. I, my point, I suppose, is Gary. Italian politics is is different. It's not. We are. Our politics are slightly uh, more mundane. So Berlusconi was not actually, by any distance, I would say, the most exotic flower of Italian politics. And you know what else? Berlusconi was, in some senses, a kind of an ordinary, old-fashioned, middle-of-the-road, centre-right politician. What they have in Italy now is just... I couldn't explain it. I read the papers. I haven't lived there for a long time, but I read the papers. And I know some of the people involved, not personally, but by reputation. Italian politics, I mean, no, it's... But it may be the future. <laughs> it may be the future. Did you see the uh, the county Mead councillor seeking the removal of uh, what the Irish Independent calls racially charged classics? No, racially charged classics. Yeah. Could we have an example, uh, please, Gary? Alan Laws from uh, Mead County Council. Hold on, hold on, don't tell me. Social Democrat? Independent, actually. Independent, okay. Which is strange, because usually the independents tend to fall into a uh, sort of left-wing economics, conservative social views kind of yeah, place. Yeah. But he says, that where he put in a submission, and that says, uh, Mead County Council calls on the Department of Education to remove all literature from the school curriculum that casually and repeatedly uses offensive racial language, such as Michael. He obviously doesn't say Michael in his piece. It's not that personal. Uh, To kill a mockingbird and of mice and men, which have no place in today's curriculum. Oh, sweet Jesus Lord. He said when the Irish Independent asked him about it, he said he wasn't calling on a ban. But the books were being used far too early in the Irish secondary school curriculum with devastating consequences for some children of colour. Now, Michael, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you've ever, I, I don't know if you've ever read To Kill a Mockingbird or I have. Mice of Men. I have. You strike me as, you strike me as a Steinbeck fan. So. Well, actually, I'm, I'm actually a particular fan of Mice of Men. I think it's beautiful and very, very sad. But I don't. Would you come out of either of them thinking, well, blacks just aren't people? I can see, I don't agree with, but I can see the point that some people make about uh, Kill a Mockingbird, that it fits into one of those salvation narratives where the the victim group or the oppressed group requires some 
a hero figure from who happens to be a white man, Gregory Peck in the movie, who comes in and saves the day. But no, I think that actually is, that misses the point because I think the, 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 other than the fact that it's not, yes, of course it is actually all about race, but it's not all about race at the same time, is that moment, it's about two things, I suppose. One is the sense that the South could change. But also the, the heart of the novel is that moment of confrontation in the witness box when Atticus in, interrogates Mayela Yule. And it's about her perception of her humanity and the relationship in her status and her role in, and how she uses that with Tom. But mice and men, I, I don't, I just don't see at all. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, if you, if you're really working at it, of course, Jesus, Gary, you can, you can argue, you can, you can do a kind of a racial archaeology on anything, written, any novel written in the United States or anywhere in the 20th century. But no, the 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 counselor said that uh, that he knew the the books were classics, and he knew that To Kill a Mockingbird was written to raise awareness of racism. It was published at the time it was published. And he knew it was an iconic Hollywood movie. But we are talking about 12-year-olds reading it, not 18-year-olds. Uh, apparently his motion prompted a lively debate inside Mead County Council. Mead County Council rejected the motion to call for specific books to be removed from the curriculum, but they agreed on a motion to write to the Department of Education seeking a review of all curriculum literature. Oh, yes, well, yeah. To get the bonfires ready. Oh God, it's tiring, isn't it? I mean, is that just simply tiring? Also, I do they do they do killing mockingbird in first year? I actually don't know. To I don't know when they start. Uh, and, and if they if to kill mice and men in first year seems to me unlikely. That's well, a short book. Yes, it's a short book, but it's it. There's quite a bit of well, there's a little violence in it, and it's kind of upsetting. Things may be much more advanced than they used to be, but I think that was one of the alternative novels for the Leaving Cert a long, long, long time ago when I was doing this. It was, it was one of it was part of the modern novel thing, but presumably he knows he he did that. He checked before he he asked the question. Meath County Council. Well, I, I'm sure that they have many interesting debates about modern literature and its role in social uh, adjectprop and function, but. Best of luck to them. I'm, I'm sure the people of me, they're delighted that that's how they're spending their time. I know, it keeps them busy. Keeps them away from doing... I was going to say it keeps them away from doing stuff they could actually do harm with. But no, I think the, the calls to remove books they think could be problematic are actually problematic in and of themselves. Everything is problematic these days, Michael. We are problematic, Gary. We're deeply problematic. I would have said seditious more than problematic. We are problematizing things. I'm waiting for the revolution so that I can just broadcast from a bunker. Every night I go to bed waiting to hear the helicopters coming to take us away. When you were in Finnafal, it's just a reasonable <laughs> precaution. It's a genetic disposition, isn't it? Hmm. It's a well-earned <laughs> one as well. Indeed. Anything else we wanted to go to? Um. There is a lot happening. I, I still haven't been sued by Peter Thatchell. That's good. And he has yet again been in contact just to for a last slight touch-up clarification. He has. Um, which is actually, this is an interesting thing about publishing, and this is in relation to a piece I wrote on Peter Thatchell called um, See No Evil, Hear No Evil, Speak No Evil, which is about 
his the things he had done in his life and and views he had put forward on the sexual relationship of uh, relationships between adults and children. And when you publish something like that, there's always a great fear. One, that you have made a factual error and you have, um, particularly on a serious issue, that you have said something which is damaging to someone unfairly. Both because then it's a legal issue and also because, you know, I want to be fair to people. I don't want well, to particularly say something. Especially an issue like that, which is so tendentious. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it would be it would be a legal issue for me also, but, you know, it is part of my job to get it right. And so when he got back in touch with me and said, well, here are a lot of contextual issues that I, I would like changed. Like, I would like it to uh, say more about how I totally condemn any sexual relations between children and adults. But when I saw the, the list of factual errors, I was like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm pretty dead in the money here. Because one was, I, I said he outed gay men. And he said, no, he only outed gay men. Or he only outed uh, gay men who had made public pronouncements about homosexuality that were hypocritical and homophobic. And I was like, well, okay, yeah, but you still outed gay men. That's why you did it doesn't change the fact that you did it. And then one, my, my favourite one was um, he he argued with the usage of the term multiple and gave the dictionary definition of multiple. And when someone gets to that point of correction, you're like, okay, well, the rest of it is pretty solid then. Well, the implication, yeah. If it wasn't, you'd complain yeah, about that. the implications seems to be, well, yeah, pretty well, the rest of it's okay, but, you know, there's a difference between multiple and several. Yeah, and also I was kind of looking at it and I was like, Peter, I don't think if I changed this to say, even if I agreed with him, and I didn't, I didn't think changing it to say, well, we said Peter Thatchell had multiple times brought up the idea that children could have sexual relationships with adults that bring them great joy. I don't think we added an amendment that said, Peter Thatchell wishes to clarify, he has only said these things twice. I don't think that would have made him look any better. Well, not a lot better, no. No, no. Also, then I have to go, I'd, this, the things you don't put in the piece because they don't add anything because you've already talked about them. So we had a couple of examples of that that we uh, had in the piece or hadn't put in the piece and we were able to just go, no, we, we're making no changes. Everything is perfectly correct. And we just added a little piece to the end of the piece going, well, this was his response. And here is our response to his response. And we totally stand over what we wrote, which was nice. Yes, lovely. Mm. And I didn't get sued, which is, Michael, I've got to tell you, a really great feeling. <laughs> yeah, it's always a good feeling not to be sued. I didn't think I would be, but you can always have someone who just does it because they think you've damaged their reputation, even if what you've written is accurate. Yeah, well, shall we say, not yet anyway. It's it's a bullet. Not yet. He, he does have time. There are a couple of people who I'm... Who have a, a bit of time to sue me? Well, do you know what? Maybe we'll use that on that note to close, so that we can avoid, at least on this occasion, provo- pro- producing any more material that might indeed land you up in a court in the high court. Why am I? Why am I always the person who has to produce the material that could lead to a court cases? I think you need to step up your game. Because I'm always the one saying he said that, not me. Yeah, but, you know, live your life a little, Michael. You know, take the bull by the horns, say something horrible. On tape, which will broadcast to people. Okay, uh, we'll be back on Sunday. That is horrible. <laughs> and until then, we wish you all stay well, enjoy your weekend, and we'll talk soon. Bye-bye. All the best. <laughs>